This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. For some, Song of Solomon is a strange book in the Bible. There are many who falsely believe that this one book does not fit in the bigger book, and that it has no relevance to the rest of the books in the Bible canon that we have today. Pastors avoid this book because they don't understand it, especially pastors in the cult of William Branham. Out of the hundreds of sermons recorded by William Branham, you'll not find this book mentioned once, not one single time. Cult pastors inclined to preach only what the prophet said. Don't preach this book. Without having reference to it in the tape index, they don't understand or see how this book fits in the context of the message of William Branham. Because it doesn't. You see, this book, Song of Solomon, is considered to be a parable of God's undying love towards the children of Israel and has even been considered to be a parable of Christianity itself. It has no prophecy, no condemnation of idolatrous nations, nothing negative to preach against. And without having something negative to preach against, few pastors in the cult of William Branham would even have a sermon. The book is uplifting. It is showing love, pure love, between a man and a woman. It tells us how good love is, and how that men should love their wives instead of this master-servant hierarchy that this cult promotes. William Branham avoided this book entirely because it directly conflicted with his Women Are Designed by Satan theology, and his speaking so harshly against beauty. Cult pastors don't know what to do with this book. Because they know in their hearts when they read this book that it uplifts everything that William Branham stands against. Chapter 7 specifically is a chapter that you won't find any cult pastor preaching about. Pastors who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in its simplicity can use this book in many ways. This book parallels true communion with God. It shows how we can rejoice in Christ. 
The king has brought his bride into his chambers. And through though his face was hidden from us for a time, he now abides with us. The list of parallels between Christ and his bride are found all throughout the book from start to finish. But cult pastors are not founded in the gospel. Many have never experienced the true mercy and grace that Christ has offered us through his work on the cross. Many only know how to preach by example, and that example is the recorded sermons of a man who had a message to condemn the people rather than to uplift the bride of Christ. They have been taught to look for little things to pick on. When William Branham spoke against women wearing pants to promote the Pentecostal dress code, the pastors started enforcing longer dresses. When Branham condemned women in high heels, some pastors started preaching against open-toed shoes. In every way, shape, and form, William Branham's ministry was the exact opposite of this book. Everything that Solomon loved and enjoyed in his bride, which was a representation of Christ and his bride, the cult of William Branham stands firmly against. Chapter 7, verse 1, starts by describing the beauty of the feet of the bride. Solomon says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter! If this were two new converts entering the congregation of a cult, a man and a woman, who had not yet observed the dress code, the pastor would quickly change his sermon and start preaching how that statement denied both William Branham's message and their dress code. Our prophet said that beauty is of the devil. Don't come in here into the house of God wearing open-toed sandals. Noble daughter indeed. <laughs> the Pentecostal movement, the foundation underlying William Branham's message, has trained our hearts and our minds against the natural feelings of our bodies. To enjoy beauty is sinful, according to the cult. To speak of the scripture of a woman's body, to speak of the sculpture of a woman's body, is evil. Our prophet told us that her sculpture was designed by Satan himself. In fact, the book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, is almost considered to be pornography by the ministers of the cult. When you ascribe to all of the teachings of Branham's twisted description of Satan, women, beauty, and lust, you end up with a programmed group of people who are afraid to read a book about the love between a man and a woman. But Solomon told his bride that her rounded thighs were like jewels, the work of a master hand. He told her that she was sculpted beautifully, just as Christ, the master builder, has sculpted a church. But here's where it gets very interesting. Verse 2, your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Imagine quoting this scripture in front of a cult pastor that follows William Branham. This breaks every single rule in Branham's rule book. They were drinking wine, not just drinking it. Solomon drank it from her navel. 
Many are familiar with Proverbs 3.5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. But if we keep reading down a couple of verses, we find this. It shall be health to thy navel, and mar marrow to thy bones. Proverbs 3.8. In Ezekiel 16, Ezekiel prophesied about God's faithless bride the children of Israel. And the navel of the bride was her undoing, giving her great pain and sorrow. God's bride was never cut off from the idolatrous nations. Ezekiel 16, 3-4 Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, thy mother was a Hittite. And as for thy nativity in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut off. Neither wast thou washed in water to supply thee, thou wast not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. Verse 3 of Song of Solomon will make any person programmed with the cult teaching cringe. They wish this verse was not in the Bibles and consider it to be the lowest filth. Song of Solomon 7.3 says, your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. But remember, God said the very same thing about his bride in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 16:7. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great. Thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thy hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. The comparison could go on and on and on. Each verse in the entire book of the Song of Solomon ties to many scriptures in the books attached behind it in your own leather bindings. Each verse describes the love between the Father and between His children, Christ and His bride. Cults are not founded in the Bible. They're not founded in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Cults are founded by men. They have wrapped their theology around men's doctrine, and they teach the teachings of a man. God can be found in the people who have been misled, but God is not found in the movement itself. Satan despises God's bride, while the Song of Solomon shows reference to God's love and God's adoration for his bride in its teaching. Cult teachings will show you examples of hatred and scorn between the husband and his wife. She is easily condemned, cast aside. Branham's bride was scorned. Branham claimed that the Lord told him, as thus saith the Lord. A woman who cuts her hair was condemned, and the husband should divorce her. The husband should cut her off. Her beauty was from Satan in his twisted theology. And we should hate her beauty instead of the love and admiration that the Song of Solomon shows. Satan knows that he has been defeated. We've already won that day on Calvary. The only power that Satan has now is to try his best to make the bride of Christ miserable to make her live in condemnation for God's love for her beauty.
No matter how far we wander away from God, in the cult of a man, God still loves us and adores us. God will awaken us. This is promised all throughout the Bible, but it's also promised in the last chapter of the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon 8, verses 1 through 5. Who is that coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree, I awakened you. There your mother was in labor with you. She, there she bore you. She who bore you was in labor. Christ was coming. Solomon, in his parable of the church, foretold it in his infinite wisdom. God was coming and would seal us to the day of redemption. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love as is, is as strong as death. That's the next verse, chapter, chapter 8, verse 6. The best part comes last. Our God is a jealous God. He does not want us to serve other gods, and He does not want us to live in idolatry. But while cult pastors condemn from every possible angle in their sermons, God's jealousy is paid with the price of His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. It says this, verses 6 through 7, Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. It, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. Listen to this. If a man offered for love all of the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. The man, the man, did offer all of the wealth of his house for love. The father offered his only son, Jesus Christ, to pay the penalty for God's faithless bride and to redeem her and claim her for his own. Christ was despised. He was rejected. He suffered. He bled on the cross, and he died for us. Christ was offered by from the Father. And the many waters, the many nations of people, could not quench his undying love for us. Aren't you tired? of sitting in those hard, uncomfortable pews Sunday after Sunday to listen to a man rant and rave against the sins of those in the seats? Aren't you tired of watching his poor souls needing Christ are blasted from behind the pulpit until they leave religion altogether? Aren't you tired of watching ministers turn souls over to the devil? instead of turning them over to grace. Don't you want to hear the real gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel that tells us how much God really loves us and cares for us. The gospel that tells us how a father loves us so much he would send his only son to die for us. Song of Solomon is a romance, but it's more than that. This is God's romance with us. Oh.